Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. Yo, what's going on, everybody? The 2021 NFL Draft has come and gone, finally, this past weekend. With me, as always, here on BGN Radio, episode, what is it, Brandon? 181. Is Brandon Lee Gowton. I, of course, am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. Brandon, I know it was a very busy weekend for, for me. I'm sure it was a very busy weekend for you. How you holding up, buddy? I'm doing good, Jimmy. I'm excited to have something juice to talk about. I mean, you know, it's been a boring Eagles offseason other than, you know, being removed from the Carson Wentz trade of it all. You know, free agency, not a lot of activity. So a lot to get into today. Nine picks, UDFA, big picture stuff we want to talk about. Um, we'll get to that all. But before we do, want to mention, of course, BGN Radio brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off meat and non-meat snacks. Also, if you have a pet, if you have a dog, specifically, go to wildnaturepet.com and use discount code BGN15. Same one for right to selling for 15% off. So let's dive in, Jimmy. All right. So we'll, what we'll do is we'll just go pick by pick. The Eagles made nine picks in the 2021 draft. They also reportedly have added seven undrafted free agents. We'll get to all those guys, uh, all 16 of those guys. And this will be a longer episode, so we'll probably have four segments. We'll get to some big picture stuff uh, after we go through each pick. But let's start with the first-round pick, who, of course, was Alabama star wide receiver Devontae Smith. You and I both had him as our most likely Eagles first-round pick. Uh, I liked him a lot. You liked him even more than I did. Uh, I'm sure you were very pleased with uh, the, the selection of Smith. But uh, what, what was your, uh, what, what's, what's your takeaway there? Well, Jimmy, as you can see, but the listeners can't, as we're recording on Squadcast and uh, we can see each other visually, you also have a display name that you can type in and where yours says Jimmy Kemsky, mine <laughs> says Devontae Smith owns because he does. And obviously I put a lot into him before the Eagles drafted him and just in terms of like making the case for the Eagles to take Devontae Smith. I thought the trade up was appropriate. I think this is an elite level kind of talent, like a blue chip foundational legitimate number one kind mm -hmm. of receiver like one of potentially one of the best receivers in the nfl is his ceiling i think i really don't have any concerns about him maybe that's crazy maybe i'll look back and and say what, what was i doing like i should have taken the weight thing more seriously but i just don't see how the weight concerns have manifested into like real deterrence thus far and we'll see if it's different at the nfl but i really don't think it is like this is a guy who again ranked top five against press coverage and yards per route run both 2019 2020 this is a guy who dominated the sec uh heisman this is a guy who shined the brightest out of jerry judy out of henry ruggs out of uh jalen waddle 
back in 2019 when they were on the same team. Like, this guy rules. This guy is off the charts in terms of, like, football character and everything. He is locked in. Big winner energy in spades to the max. I truly believe this guy has a chance to be, like, it's not the perfect comparison because this is, you know, Allen Iverson was transcendent in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that kind of this undersized player, like, this is a Philly kind of player. This guy will thrive here, uh, you know, if he plays well, obviously. But I just, I love everything about Devontae Smith. I think it was a great, it's a home run pick for me. A, it's a, I would say A plus if they didn't have to trade up for, to get him, but they did. Um, so that knocks it down maybe for an A for me. But still, I mean, I love the pick. He's a killer, like competitive wise. And um, we got our first, uh, you know, time with him uh, after they made that pick. And in his interview, I thought he came off as uh, extremely confident, but not in a BS kind of way. There's nothing fake about him. Um, I, I, I love him as a player and I, I love him, uh, from, from his, from his mindset, but, um, I just also wanted to get into, um, you know, we, we've been very critical of Howie Roseman, uh, over the last year or so. And especially after this four eleven and one season and where the Eagles were this off season with their horrible cap situation, we've of course detailed, uh, in depth, their failings, uh, in free agency, in the draft, et cetera, but, uh, credit where it's due his, maneuvering uh, in the first round uh, both a month ago and during the draft itself, in my opinion, was masterful. I mean, what, 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 you look at what they did where they had the sixth overall pick initially to, to begin. They trade back from six to 12. They get the Dolphins 2022 uh, first round pick. They also move up from the fifth round into the fourth round where they get a player who, um, in my opinion, uh, is, is going to be the corner from uh, from Texas Tech. Uh, they, he probably wouldn't have been there in the fifth round. So, I mean, they, they have the extra first round pick. They wind up getting Devontae Smith anyway. I think their read was right that um, Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase both were going to be gone when they picked at six. That turned out to be right. I don't know if they would have taken those guys. I, th- I don't know if they wouldn't have done that trade back anyway, but... Anyway, they 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 did make the trade back. They get to twelve. They read correctly that the Giants very very likely uh, would have taken Devonte Smith at eleven had they not jumped up ahead of them. I was sort of of the mindset that like it doesn't make any sense for the Giants to take a guy like that, seeing as they had Darius Slayton. They just paid Kenny Galladay uh, Galladay a, a you know a huge contract. They have Sterling Shepard. They signed John Ross. They didn't really need a wide receiver necessarily, but I think their mindset was probably just. Devontae Smith is awesome, so we're just going to take him. And the Eagles had the right read on that. They traded up from you know 12 to 10. They give up the 84th overall pick to do that, a third-round pick. If you look at the draft value chart, uh, the 84th overall pick was worth, what was it, 170 points off the top of my head, I believe. And the difference in uh, you know the, the 10th and the 12th pick was, I believe, 100 points. Yes, So correct. they overpaid a little bit, but... Uh, well worth the price to go up and and get this awesome player. Uh, and again, I just think that his maneuvering was fantastic in that they got a guy in Devontae Smith who I'd have felt totally comfortable taking at the sixth overall pick, but then they also add the 2022 first round pick. Just a little golf clap there for Howie after, uh, you know, some, after three, you know, very troublesome off seasons. Yeah, Jimmy, but the Joe Flacco signing Sutton. No, I'm just kidding. That's just a little rib at us. For, I still think that's a, not a great signing. But anyway, that's not the point. Just <laughs> laughing at our own expense or, or anticipating reaction. Um, yeah, great job by Howie. Also, I want to say that's like a big reason why Jeffrey Lurie keeps him around, right? When we all think about like why does 
like Larry, you want to keep him around so much? Like, why, why, why is he so afraid of like making a change here? I think that's a big reason why, because how he has those reads, which are based on like long-term connections he has throughout the league and, and good uh, sourcing. Like that's what Howie Roseman is good at. Like that's, that's not surprising to me that he did that. So um, like, I'm not shocked, but uh, maybe, and maybe at the risk of taking it for granted, but like you laid it out well, it's really good maneuvering. Um, getting back into Devon, oh, well, I guess touching on the, the Giants Cowboys angle of it, that's kind of fun, right? I mean, like, if Devontae Smith really is going to be a killer, and I think he can be, like, isn't that kind of fun that the Cowboys yeah. like helped put him in? So the way <laughs> and they know, also jumped over the Giants to get him, so yes. it's like, haha, you know, they, the Eagles got him and you didn't. And that's a further point, probably why the trade is worth it to me, like. I don't want to be defending Devontae Smith for the next whatever years, like in the division. Like I'm glad he's on this team instead of going to the, a division rival. Um, RJ kind of phrased it like, his, you know, his Cowboys brain, like trying to defend the move, trying to rationalize it, even though before the draft, he said like Micah Parsons would like terrify him. That would be the one pick he wouldn't want in the first round. Um, was like Dallas got the pick, which one of their division rivals he went to. Mm-hmm. And he felt like the, the Eagles were the lesser of the two from that spot. But I mean, like, Dallas could have traded to another team there at that pick who maybe Wait, he thought that trading him to the Eagles or having him land with the Eagles was the lesser of two evils. Yes. See, I disagree there in the short term, maybe, but the Eagles are a better organization than the Giants. Well, we can uh, (laughs) can get into that later. Whatever. But um, (laughs) getting back into Devontae, just like his fit, what, what do you see it with the Eagles, Jimmy? Because I see a player who can really line up everywhere. Like this isn't a guy who to me is like limited, like he's not a prototypical X, but you heard Sirianni, you know, talk about how, um, who am I thinking of from the Colts blinking short, uh, T.Y. Hilton, Hilton, uh, you know, has done that for them. Also look at his skills, like watch Devontae go up and get the ball. Like he can do X receiver things. Uh, he certainly is long. He is 66 percentile, uh, wingspan. I think he's a little bit, you know, longer than people realize. And, uh, Z, you know, he's the speed. I, I think like watching Devontae Smith, Jimmy, just watch, like, go watch his highlights. If you haven't, I'm sure people have, but do it again. And there's just certain moments on tape where I just like laugh, especially I feel like as he's running by people, cause like he, he's not a burner, you know, he's not like Deshaun, like it doesn't even look like it's it, like, it's effortless. I feel like with him, like he just gets behind people. It's like, it's almost like, how did that happen? It's like, I think defensive backs are probably watching them get behind. He's like, how did, how, like, how did he get behind me? Like, this isn't a guy who's just like, you know, uh, Olympic track runner, but like he, there's, he's just so smooth. Like he just glides on by people. Yeah. And then obviously too, I think he can play in the slot. Um, he, he's just great, man. I, I want to read something that, uh, Albert Breer actually shared, um, after day two, and this is kind of something that's come up leading up to the draft. There's just so many different people that have like raved about Devontae Smith's character. And then even one of the Eagles day three picks, which we'll get into later, um, said he was like, you know, like super tough to cover. But basically, um, that's also the gist of a lot of other people. I think an NFC executive that Albert Breer cited talked like to, he said, we asked all the SEC guys, like meaning the prospects, who the best player they played against was over the last couple months. And all of them, everyone said Devante. And then uh, the other thing he said, and the Bama guys all said, he's the best football player I've ever been around. Wow. That's okay. Alabama people saying that. That <laughs> right. is like nuts. So, but I don't think it's hyperbole. Like, I think like, like this guy is really that he's good. He's the Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously he was a, he was a phenomenal college player. So yeah. And that's so how do you think up. he's going to be used was my question. Oh, right. So I think he's like best suited for the Z spot because- you can line him up off the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, the, the, the concern about him weighing 160 pounds is A, 
can he stay durable? I know that you don't buy that premise. Um, I don't either really much. Uh, the other uh, concern there would be, can he beat press coverage at the line of scrimmage? And, you know, beating press coverage at the line of scrimmage in college is a little different than it is in the NFL. Like when you're lined up, you know, opposite Jalen Ramsey, for example, like that's, you know, a little more difficult than, you know, lining up opposite uh, SEC receiver. But uh, at the Z position, you know, you can, you're lined up off the line of scrimmage. And one of the things that I also like think that he's really good at is blocking. And you usually yeah. want your Z receiver to be a good blocker too, because they're lined up on the side of the formation where the tight end is. So, more, you know, you're, if you're running, when you run the ball, I think more often than not, you're running to the side where your tight end is. So uh, you want your receiver on the edge to be able to be a good blocker as well. And there, he certainly has like, he's a good blocker, first of all, but there's no shortage of effort with him as a blocker too. Like you, you talked earlier about how he just does everything. <laughs> like, And he's just such, like he, he does, he does he'll, he's willing to do like the dirty work too. In addition to like the crazy numbers that he put up at Alabama over the last few years. So uh, yeah, I think his, his best spot is probably the Z position, but of course that's being taken up by uh, Jalen Rager. I actually asked uh, Nick Sirianni uh, where, uh, they sort of envisioned him, and he gave the answer that you just said a minute ago. Like they're going, they're going to move him around. They're going to move all the guys around. Um, he gave the answer previously. I think it was asked by um, uh, by Chris about uh, Chris Franklin. Yeah, Chris Franklin of, of uh, NJ.com asked him. You know, what do you envision that this is before the draft? What do you envision at the exposition? And like like you mentioned, he mentioned Ty Hilt, uh, Hilton has played the exposition for him at five at like five nine one eighty. Dwayne Bow has played that position for him uh, at you know like six two two twenty. And then he mentioned all different players around the league. Like Julio Jones, of course, is an X receiver. He's like your classic X. Odell Beckham Jr., who's sort of like a smaller, skinnier guy, was an X receiver. Um, uh, Keenan Allen, who who you know who. who played for uh, Stike in, uh, in, in LA and San Diego. He was their X receiver at times. So there are all different kinds of body types that can play that position in theory, but Nick Sirianni's, uh, his, his really, um, his thing at that position is, can you line up and win one-on-one matchups? And Devontae Smith certainly in, and then some showed that he could do that at Alabama. Uh, speaking of Keenan Allen, Nick Sirianni mentioned that I think he was like talking to Devontae Smith and kind of talking about like, I guess, uh, who he watches and stuff and like, like who, you know, like what, who he might model after. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, or yeah, the, Nick Sirianni, this is, this was, it, I found it. He talked to Devontae about like two wide receivers that he likes to study in the NFL and it's Devontae Adams and it's Keenan Allen. So, really? There you go. Keenan Allen is yeah. a great answer for that because Keenan Allen is like an awesome route runner. So like, it's easy to just say, you know, like the, the, the best receiver in the NFL, but like a real student of the game would mention a guy like Keenan Allen, who maybe isn't like thought of as like a top five receiver. I actually think he's pretty close, but he wouldn't normally be mentioned in that sort of company. But it, why he's so good is because he's smart and the way he plays and he's a great route runner. So he's like, he is like a good study at the wide receiver position. So I like that answer from him. Keenan Allen is a killer. Not unlike Devontae Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, last thing I want to say on Devontae, because I could talk about, I could do like literally like a whole hour podcast about him. And just, <laughs> right. I'm so happy. Like, but, but to that point, I think it was Dave, you know, our good friend Dave Mangles from BGN, who like said, like, this might be the most exciting Eagles draft pick ever, or at least in recent memory. I mean, like, I think some people were saying Carson Wentz, but like, 
I mean, everyone knew that was going to be the pick, though. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, they traded up for him. People were excited for that move. But the actual, you know, if we're talking about the actual pick, like, you know, the pick happening, like, we didn't know it was going to be Devontae's. I mean, a lot of people thought it would be. Like, we all thought it could happen. But we, like, when the Eagles traded up to 10, like, I didn't know 100% it was going to be Devontae Smith. And that they actually got someone that everyone feels so, like, happy about. And almost, like, rarely unanimously in Philly, uh, with Eagles draft pick, like it's just a refreshing feeling. Like, after night one, instead of being like, now I have to talk to myself into Jalen Rager, I can just be like, we got Devontae Smith. That's right. awesome. Like I, I, I have no doubt in my mind he's going to be good. Like maybe I'm wrong about that, but that's how I feel. Like I, I have no concerns at all. It's like an awesome feeling for once. So that's the last thing I had on him. Do you have anything else on him? Jimmy? Well, when they traded up, I was pretty sure it was going to be him because both receivers were gone already, and then Sertan and Horn were both gone too. So when they moved up to 10, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be Devontae because they well, want to make sure they get up ahead of the Giants. And they want to make sure they get you know, one of those receivers. But leading up to that pick, like when, when Dallas was on the board, like before they made that trade, like it looked sort of grim maybe that they weren't going to land, you know, one of those top receivers or cornerbacks. So uh, that, 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 that they were able to make that move up. I agree with sort of an exciting uh, Eagles draft moment. All right. So second round pick. Why I Devontae Smith, my favorite pick for the Eagles in this class. Very chalk, but like sure. obviously I wanted him the most. So it's it's just my favorite. Easy. My probably arguably my least favorite pick is who they took in the second round. At number thirty seven overall, Landon Dickerson, who has experience both center and guard, obviously drafted and Alabama. And tackle in the past. Um the Eagles taking two Alabama players in the same draft after previously not taking one since 2002. So <laughs> right. uh, great. I think there's a lot of risk here, Jimmy. I get so like let's say Landon Dickerson never got hurt. Let's Obviously, run through, let's run through his injury history first. Real yeah, quick. I'll, I'll do I was going to do. Yeah. Oh, you are okay. My okay. I'll... So ACL in both of his legs. ACL t- most recently too is his most recent injury. He's had ankle issues, ankle injuries. Like he's had what four season-ending injuries in like well, here's five the time, years. Here's the timeline. So November twenty six, yeah. November uh, twenty sixteen, torn ACL right knee. Um, mm-hmm. That ended the season, obviously. That was in Florida State. October twenty seventeen, right ankle surgery ended the season. Uh, in, during the twenty eighteen season, he sort of had nagging. Uh, and recurring left ankle injuries that cost him that, that caused him to move to miss uh, most of that season. So you have right tack or excuse me. So you have right knee and both ankles so far. And then this past season in December, torn ACL, left knee. His availability for training camp maybe in question. Uh, the Eagles seem to think that he'll be ready. You know, I mean, they're not putting. They always say we're not putting a timetable on it. But they seem to think that it's not going to be a red shirt season for him. Uh, one interesting thing after he did tear his uh, ACL is that he actually so that happened in the SEC championship game. I think the SEC championship game off the top of my head was December nineteenth. He actually played. He snapped in the, in the national championship game. He came in and snapped. Like in kneel down mode after, you know, Alabama already had it wrapped up. They were in victory formation. He played in that game like less than a month after he tore his ACL, which is just nuts. But it was, you know, more of a symbolic thing. But just the fact that he went out and snapped was kind of a crazy thing. But your injury point is what you're getting at here is that like that's that's this is a huge, obviously huge consideration. And uh, the the biggest negative with this player, if you're going to take him at pick number 37. I also just don't know if the risk is worth it, just in terms of positional value. Uh, prior to the draft, 
uh, Jason Fitzgerald from Over the Cap put like this study together about like, looking at the top 15 paid players at every position mm-hmm. who were drafted. And like center is at the very bottom of that chart. Yeah. Um, like, you know, the, so I just, I don't know, you know, it's not like this is like just, just the positional value of it. Like, I think again, it's not, so it's not like, oh, is he, Landon Dickerson any good? I think everyone basically agrees on that. I don't think that's like a point of contention. I just, like, you can't just be like, if he stays healthy. Like, you can't just brush that aside. Like, he hasn't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. And he's coming to a team that has injury issues all the time and is like notoriously <laughs> bad when it comes to keeping players healthy. So, like, how can you just be like, you can't just gloss over it. You just can't. You can't do that. Like, that's not something now. I am also acknowledging there is upside. I'm not saying there isn't, but I'm just saying like the downside here is like that he just never plays basically, you know, or he like, he can't stay healthy like at any point during his career. And that's a big miss at 37. If that's the case, like, like 37 is, I'm not, it's not far removed from the first round pick. Yeah. Yeah, It's almost a first round. Like that's just a, that's a big, big risk to take there at number 37. I was actually doing um, the locker room uh, podcast, which we did during the draft Jimmy with Seamus. And I kind of pulled a him of last year where Seamus last year goes before the Eagles draft Jalen Hurts. He's like, so many good players on the board. Like they can't, I, he basically said like, there's no way they can screw this up. And sure enough, they did. They did, yeah. But this year I'm like, like, man, there's a lot of good options at 37. And I literally said, I, I don't think they can go Landon Dickerson here though. Like, and then naturally it happened. So uh, I put the jinx on it this year, but um, I, I'm really nervous about it. Again, I like the player. I love not only the talent because uh, like you watch him play, and he's just bullying he's awesome. dudes out there. Yeah, I mean, he's what six five, three thirty three. So, uh, you know, big, strong, powerful man. He <laughs> and is athletic too. Athletic, and he's just like bowling guys over. And from all accounts, um, like really good character guy. This could be like a Jason Kelsey replacement, not only on mm-hmm. the field but like off of it as well. Like a really like foundational leader for this team. Um, Howie Roseman, you know, said like justifying the pick, like they feel like he has the chance to be special. And I get that. And I totally see the upside of the pick, but I just think the downside is really considerable. If I'm giving this one a grade, I'm giving it a C minus just because I think it's a below average pick because of the risk. Yeah. So um, the other thing too, is he's not going to like, even if he were healthy, there's there are no starting spots available right now unless on the interior of the Eagles offensive line if if you can you know when you, assuming Isaac Samuel is back at Brooks. left guard Kelsey's back at center Brandon Brooks is back at right guard let me just hold on let me just pull up Brandon Brooks's yeah because they restructured his deal but um you know there were those rumors or those whispers earlier this offseason like that they could be looking to move him so Brandon Brooks if you trade him right now pre June one. It's a $22 million cap hit, dead money cap hit. Yeah, not And happening. it costs 15, actually almost 16 million more to trade them than to keep them. So mm-hmm. eh, post okay. June 1, uh, they can take that 22 million and actually take yeah. most of it and dump it into 2022. But it's, you know, there's still no free lunch there. Like you're sure. still, you're still paying for a huge dead money hit in 2022 to get rid of them. But that's ridiculous. the only way I could see it, basically. I can't see that. it. So I, I can't see yeah. it. I, I don't think they're going to trade Brandon Brooks. He'll, mm-hmm. he'll probably more likely be gone next offseason. But again, I mean, he's going to play at some point. When you look at like the Eagles 2020, excuse me, their 2020 season, where they had, how many, how many did they end up with? Was it 13 or 14 different off, starting offensive line conversation? Uh, it was probably like 18. It was probably more than the games were played. <laughs> right. It felt like... Crazy. So, I mean, he's going to play at some point. Um, 
you know, assuming he can. Uh, but the upside is that he's an all pro. Like he was going to go first sure. round and possibly like first half of the first round if these injury issues didn't exist, but they do. And he felt actually some people had him like in the first round anyway, <laughs> like in the back, like the back end of the first round. So they get him at 37. It's a, it's a big risk, but it's also a potentially big reward. Like, like you said, there, there were a lot of other available players. Uh, you know, I would have taken somebody else, but at the same time, I, I can also kind of respect the gamble that they took there. I don't have a problem with it too. I think a lot of people didn't like that. It wasn't defense or it wasn't like a linebacker or cornerback, you know, bigger position need. That's not what bothers me about it. Right. Like, I'm exactly. Not, yes. I'm not thinking like the Eagles need to win this year. That's not my mind. I get like the long-term thinking of it. I just don't know if like, if he's just kind of good. Even like he was just a good player, you know, mm-hmm. let's not say like a great center, just a good one. I think it's kind of a bad pick still. Like if you're just getting a like good quote unquote center at 37, I just don't think that's like, it's not an F pick, but it's like probably like a C or like a C minus even. It's just not like a, a move that really moves the needle enough. Um, yeah, I like for the, the upside. To be a good pick, he's got to be a well above average center in my opinion. Yes. Yes. And that's a lot of pressure. That's the point. That's like, and that's the risk here. And that's, you know, so that, so not only does he need to stay healthy, he also needs to play like really, really well to justify this pick. I will say in terms of getting playing time this year, something that you uh, talked about, like not being, you know, or, or potentially getting playing time with the injuries and stuff and the different offensive line combinations they might need to use again this year. I almost wonder if maybe he's like the sixth offensive lineman, you know, how they like to, or at least mm-hmm. they like to do that in the past. We'll see how that is a Nick Sirianni system and everything, but you know, uh, Stout still here, and I they like some of those six offensive linemen looks, and that's not like the biggest role, but he could get. But like because you said, like he has that versatility to play multiple spots. Like maybe they just like him so much they want to get him out in the field. Um, he had at least one, one start thing, at all five positions. Most of them yeah. were like most of them were at center and guard, but he did start at every literally every position along the offensive line. So that's so I do like that. Yeah. Um, another thing I don't love about it, and I think some people will argue that this isn't a good argument, but um. I it's a big reason I didn't want offensive linemen in the first round. That's I feel like Jeff Stoutland can legitimately do more with less on the offensive line. I think last year was a testament to that. And I maybe I am crazy, but I kind of like Nate Herbig, and I think he has potential. And I think you know you have Suo Opeta here. Not that I think he's going to be any good, but you have these players that you've kind of <laughs> developed, uh, like these UDFA guys and these late guys. And I just I think like there's more potential for them to do something good with those, even if it's not to Opeta, but someone else they sign in the future or a day three pick or whatever, than there is to get that, you know, at wide receiver or cornerback. These positions, they've really struggled to get right. So that's just part of the equation for me. Anything else on Dickerson? Well, I would give it a B minus. Um, what did you say? C minus? Yes. So we differ there a little bit. Uh, I, I like the pick a little bit. I mean, I think just uh, as a fan base, I think Eagles fans would agree with you that this was their, this is the pick that they liked the least of, of their nine picks. Um, I think I liked it a little bit more than most of them because mm-hmm. uh, I do believe that, I mean, they won the Super Bowl because of their offensive line. Like, I think that was sure. reason number one. So um, All right, I don't have a problem with them building on the lines. I mean, it's boring, but uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm fine with the way they did. Let's take a break here because we're already almost, we're already more than 25 minutes in uh, we are going to do three, three, and three, but let's take a break here, and because some of the other guys are going to be a little shorter. Well, Jimmy, before we take a break, though, I need to tell you about Right to Sell Craft Turkey, which is the premier sponsor of BGN Radio, also the only sponsor when it comes to meat snacks. Uh, so, um, uh, but Kristen Roach also the premier uh, <laughs> yeah. sponsor. I don't want to. Yeah, I'm not I trying to take you. sides here. <laughs> 
Uh, we love all our sponsors. This is the point. And you know why? Because they're high quality. And especially the case when it comes to Right to Sound Craft Turkey, which you can go to by going to rightsound.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Get yourself some snacks or your dog some snacks by going to wildnaturepet.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Jimmy, back after this. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. Those with ambitious, out-of-reach ideas begging to become real solutions. They share a vision for how our world and our lives can thrive when bold thinking meets strong silicon. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy through the power of supercomputing. They dream of trust and privacy for all, of advancing and expanding education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to build something better, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts. Back here on BGN Radio 181, let's get into the other Eagles day two pick. Unless you're really too angry to talk about this, Jimmy, because I don't know your reaction to the Eagles drafting Milton Williams. Were you furious? Did you not want to fist pump anyone? (laughs) Yeah, this pick will be remembered more for the drama that ensued thereafter. When, Poor Milton uh, Williams. Sh- <laughs> Poor Milton Williams is right. They show the Eagles draft room, celebration all around, and then they show Howie going to give a uh, fist pump to Tom Donahoe, who just looked like he didn't want to be anywhere near Howie. <laughs> he didn't want to fist pump him. He did reluctantly, reluctantly fist bump him, but there was clearly, very clearly, dissension uh, in the Eagles draft room about that pick. Um, people have sort of tried to Zubruder that tape a little bit and, and read lips and whatnot. And uh, they I think, what was it that, that, that they thought Tom Donahoe was saying, like should have stuck to the board. I know that somebody else, uh, somebody else texted me saying like he, they, they could kind of tell that he said the word fourth, which in their opinion meant that he, He's a guy that should have gone in the fourth round as opposed to where they got him in the third round. But um, yeah, I've I also mean, seen corner that was like he potentially said corner and Aaron Robinson, okay. I think, was the pick that the Giants took and the Eagles. Right. We should back up a second because the, the Eagles were sitting at pick number 70 and they traded back three spots to 73, picking up a sixth round pick in the process. Which, you know, what they need that for? <laughs> Seeing as like they already had, um, they had five. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to this down the, down the line, but they are, they already, I mean, they already had three six round picks. So they added yeah. a fourth six round pick plus two picks in the seventh round that weren't that far away from their six round picks. So, yep. I mean, what was the point of that? The three guys that got taken uh, at 70, 71, and 72 were Brady Christensen, offensive tackle from BYU. Uh, Aaron Robinson, cornerback from Central Florida, and uh, Aleem McNeil, who is also a defensive tackle from North Carolina State. Now, personally, I like Milton Williams more than all three of those guys. Like, the spider chart on this guy is out of control. Like, he's one of the most athletically gifted talents, like, in this draft at his position. Like, let me find that real quick. He's. I will say part of that, though. Like is those players can excel more. Like they, those players can test well when they're undersized. Like you see a lot of players. Yeah, right. Of who course, yeah, two hundred eighty-four like, pounds. I think is that what it was. Yeah, yeah. You you have players who like fill up spider charts, but like their weight, <laughs> you know, is like really down because you know, like that's 
that's part of the thing. Like you want to have athleticism at a good weight too, and that's, yeah. that's part of the drawback. But anyway, you were saying. But he was so like he's 99th percentile, 99th in 40 yard dash, vertical leap, broad jump, three cone drill, all four of those categories, 99th percentile. And then he's also 93rd percentile in the 10 yard split, in the 20 yard shuttle, 94th percentile in the 20 yard split, and he was 87th percentile in the bench press. So he's strong, he's fast, he's super athletically gifted, and I thought absolutely worth a big swing. Uh, Not even a big swing, like a a reasonable swing uh, in the third round at pick number 73. So I disagree with uh, Tom Donahoe on his anger (laughs) for this pick. Like, I think he's perfectly reasonable, uh, you know, upside pick. Like, like, they, they took like an upside pick last year in Davion Taylor. But, like, this guy was actually good in college, too. Like, Davion Taylor, you know, had a very, very inexperienced player and was, like, clearly, like, a guy that was... Milton Williams is going to take, like, he's going to take some seasoning before he's going to be able to have any kind of prominent role. But it's not going to be in the same way as Davion Taylor, who, like, barely even played in high school, only played really two years in college uh, at, you know, at the FBS level anyway. So, like, I like this pick a lot more from an upside view than I did uh, last year with Taylor, who I thought was more of, like, a fifth-round pick. Like, this guy was absolutely worth the third-round investment, in my opinion. So I could be wrong, but I feel like this was kind of more of a pick that the analytics side of the Eagles like. Oh, for sure. You can, like, see, you can see the video. Hallaby's, like, he's, like, Hallie whooping Hallie, it up in the yes. background. <laughs> um, although Jonathan Gannon did really love it, too. I don't know if you saw yeah, that, Jimmy. Okay. The Eagles put out a video, and, like, Gannon was, like, like, I mean, that guy is intense, I think, to begin with, but he was, like, freaking, like, fired up. Like, he was, like, like it was just really funny to see him. I, I love um, that they showed uh, a, a different video from the opposite angle where you don't see Donahoe at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you even put that out? Come on. We already um, saw we already saw what yeah. the dissension looked like. Erasure here. Don, Tom Donahoe <laughs> erasure. Um, I want to touch on the front office part of it first. I think the part that bothers me, I don't know. I think you could be right in that. I think Donahoe could easily be in the wrong here in terms of like kind of being like too much of a big baby about it. And um, I also think, so I, I think a lot of people took his reaction to show that like the Eagles are messed up. I think you can say that there, he deserves a lot of the blame and not to say that the Eagles aren't messed up, but not to, to defend them. Like they aren't messed up because of that incident specifically. They're messed up for a lot of other reasons, but I think the idea that like this happens everywhere. Yeah. I mean, disagreements do but they don't always get shown on tv everywhere that does not happen so bad look there and And also the the timing after these two big articles from the the other part of it yes athletic yeah and that's that's another part of it and also i think my something that like made me feel bad like bad vibes from night two was that reaction and also this idea which kind of came up in those stories that you referenced is like i don't think their idea of collaboration is right. I think they think of collaboration as like take turns, like like the, the analytics. You know, <laughs> right. they side, they get a pick you here, get this pick, and, yeah, and then Jeffrey Lurie gets to hop in here, and then the coaching <laughs> staff gets like that's not collaboration. That's like pick and shoot. That's not how collaboration works. Like right, good right. collaboration should like they're all part of the process. They're creating one board. There's a strong decision maker at the top who is able to then make those picks and then. And this isn't easy. I think this is like hard. I'm not saying it's an easy job, but I'm saying like this should be the goal where that person at the top, Howie Roseman in this case, can explain to the people who kind of feel miffed that like, hey, this is why we're doing this. I know you're not thrilled about it, but we're all on the same team here. We're all pulling in the same direction. And 
you should be able to effectively explain this is why this pick is being made. And then when you see Donahoe's reaction like that, so maybe he just kind of runs hot, as Jeff McLean put it in his article, and also said that Donahoe might actually be leaving the organization soon because he's been like frustrated with this team's personnel decisions. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But that's kind of what frustrated me. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, as somebody who has sat in front of Donahoe at many a road game, I can confirm that, yes, he does run hot. <laughs> so anyway, uh, move on to the next pick. Well, I, I want to get, into, I didn't get to tell you oh, uh, okay. my take on Milton Williams. I mean, um, so I, uh, I do like the, you know, taking uh, a shot on the upside and everything. The undersized part like concerns me a little bit. Like, is this guy ever going to be a full-time starter in the NFL? Um, I don't know. Uh, I definitely think defensive tackle was an underrated need. Uh, that's something we talked about before the draft. I had, you know, the Eagles taking Davion Nix in my mock draft where the uh, Nixon, Davion Nixon. Nixon, anyway, Nixon. sorry, uh, Nix that one. So the, uh, it was a, a huge need or underrated at least because you, you only have Fletcher Cox who's playing his age 31 season and has a lot of mileage on him. And then Javon Hargrave um, and then no one like it was Hassan Ridgeway who can never stay healthy and T.Y. McGill. Okay, so you, you need some depth there. They got one. I think it's it's a fine pick. I think you know investing in the trenches is fine. I think a lot of people at this point in the draft were really still annoyed that they didn't take a secondary player at all. Um, which again, I so like before the Eagles went matter. into the draft. Yeah, before the Eagles went into day two, I was like, I think I tweeted out, I was like, the Eagles need to go into this night taking the best player. Like they can't just like. If, if they don't leave with a corner, so be it. As long as they stick to their board and get the best player. And I don't know if they truly did that. We'll see. But um, so I wasn't I wasn't worried about that. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a multi-year rebuild. So and we'll get to this at the end when we kind of talk about the positions that they didn't address. And they didn't take a cornerback until the next guy that we're going to talk about here until the fourth round. Uh, but I think that was fine. Like if if they came away in round one with Patrick Sertan or J.C. Horn, fine. You know, whatever. Like those guys were certainly worthy of you know, the 12th pick or if they moved up a little bit, that'd been fine. But like, you don't want to reach for a corner in round two or round three if it's just not there. And I think they, you know, would have liked to have taken a corner in those first three picks, but I'm perfectly fine with uh, certainly the third round pick that they got you less. So with the guy they got in round two, uh, but yeah, I, I'm fine with them not addressing the cornerback position just for the sake of doing it. But Which, by the way, is what I think they would have been doing with a guy like Aaron Robinson. So Aaron Robinson is a guy that like people were saying like they should have taken at that spot. He went, I think, what was it, 71st? And I think he went to the Giants even. So we'll actually yes. get an up-close view of him as time goes on. But he's like an inside-outside, uh, versatile kind of guy. One pick, one INT in his entire college career. So like he's also a older. steady, solid corner, which is fine. But I will absolutely take the upside of this guy over a guy like Robinson, who, you know, his, his upside, in my opinion, is probably a little more limited. I think he's, like, playing his age uh, 24 season as a rookie. Is so, he? Okay. Yeah. Zach McPherson, though, is the cornerback the Eagles did end up getting with their It first looks pick. like Zach. It's Z-E-C-H. Zach. But he pronounces it Zach, he said, during his uh, Zoom conference. Yes. On uh, day three, and from Texas Tech, um, I don't... Th so, kind of weird reaction on him in terms of... Uh, the I think Daniel Jeremiah had him at like 86 or something. Okay, on his board around there, definitely in the 80s. Then you had other kind of big boards that were a lot lower on him. It seemed to be like a wide range of opinions on McPherson here. Z McP, if you will. He was um, a Tommy Lawler favorite. I know that. Okay, 
So that's terrible because we all know Tommy doesn't know what he's talking. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Tommy, uh, it's actually a good thing. And Tommy's saying that. Um, yeah. So, you know, they dressed this year. Um, I feel like he's instantly in the mix to start as a rookie just due to the Eagles lack of cornerback depth. Uh, I feel like this is someone, I feel like the Eagles, Jimmy, in part didn't force a, a pick at cornerback, not only because they're looking at the long term of this thing and they know they're not just trying to address needs, but also because there's a confidence in Jonathan Gannon. And I think, fairly so that he can kind of do more with less a corner. Like he can kind of develop guys. And I think that's a reasonable thinking here. Uh, McPherson has some experience, both playing on the outside and then in the slot as well. So that's good to see some kind of versatility. He's not just limited. Um, again, just because of the Eagles barren state of the cornerback position, I feel like he's instantly in the mix to start. I don't know if he will, because they could still make a move at corner. I think they will. I still think they are going to sign someone at some point, even if it's just like a Gary Ann Conley. Uh, we talked about Steven Nelson being out there. Um, there's options out there they can still sign. What did you make of this pick? So he's got some athleticism. His uh, 40 time isn't spectacular. It's 4-5, four, 4-5 five. Four, five flat, that is, which, you know, that's not great, but it's not it's not Rizul Douglas, right? So, like, he can run a little bit. It's fine. But his uh, his other testing measurables are good, like 92nd percentile vertical jump. 91 percentile broad jump, uh, 94th percentile on the 20 yard split on that 40 yard dash. So he does have, you know, acceleration right off the, but he just doesn't have like great long speed. Um, three cone was 71st percentile, uh, 82nd percentile in the 20 yard shuttle. So he's fine athletically, uh, 5'11, 190 something, I think. And as you mentioned, uh, you know, some big boards had him a lot higher. Would you say Jan Daniel Jeremiah had him at 80 what? In the 80s, I think like 86 or something I saw. Okay, so he gets taken 123rd, which, yeah. again, I think it's a that's a fine spot for him. He's not a guy that was really on my radar uh, prior to the draft. I missed just, I just missed him somehow. But in 2020, he had 53 tackles. He's uh, a, a competitive player in that in that regard. Like, he's, he's willing to kind of uh, stick his nose in there and, and do the dirty work and make tackles and, and all that. Um, four interceptions, including a pick six. He had six pass breakups. Um, the one example of a play, a really nice play, uh, from Texas Tech's bowl game against, uh, who was that TCU? I think made a really nice interception, uh, in the end zone on a, on a deep, on a deep shot. Uh, so he's a guy like, um, like you mentioned, he's got that inside outside, uh, versatility. I'm curious to see where the Eagles view him in, you know, previously they were of course not shy about putting, you know, smaller corners, on the outside as evidenced by Avante Maddox playing there last year. He's not as small as Avante Maddox, like five eleven is an acceptable outside corner. It's not ideal, but you can get away with that there. So I do think they'll try him outside initially. The other thing too, is like, he's like a good special teamer too. He actually had a, a couple of uh, blocked uh, PATs and he mm -hmm. returned uh, a blocked field goal for a touchdown at one point during his career. So he's going to give you that right off the bat as well. And, um, I think he's like, uh, like in inter like during his interview session, like he seemed like like a, a pretty smart guy as well. So that's sort of been a theme throughout this draft, like to this point, where like Milton Williams. By the way, we didn't mention this. Like he was crying during his phone call from the Eagles. So that's yeah. a guy that I think shows you like his heart, like really is into football, and he like I like that's not always the case with all these guys, you know, coming into the league or guys that have been in the league for the while. They don't always necessarily like really love football, but I think that's sort of been the case with these uh, with all their picks really, and certainly these first four because I think 
um, that McPherson has that as well. So again, like I said, I, he wasn't on my radar heading into this draft, but after sort of reading up on him and, and understanding like what he is as a player, I think he does fit in well nicely. Uh, PFF really liked McPherson for what it's worth. He was okay. fourth in zone coverage grade for them in since 2019. And we expect the Eagles corners to be playing a good amount of zone, or at least maybe yep. in theory. Um, we'll see how that goes for Darius Slay. Uh, he was tied for the third highest grade uh, among cornerbacks versus power five wide receivers since 2019. He also had the fourth highest single coverage grade last year in 2020. So, you know, it's PFF, take it for what it's worth. But that kind of made me, uh, you know, it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. He's up there. You know, the other names like Patrick Sertan is up there on those lists. Caleb Farley is up mm-hmm. there on those lists. So, I mean, I don't think the Eagles got a player of those caliber, obviously. But like, okay, you know, it's an early day three pick. Like, there's there's some intrigue here. It's not like a total nothing pick. I think it's fine. Uh, One thing to note too, by the way, on the inside outside versatility, like that's important for a team if like if their number one corner trails the opposing offense's like number one receiver all the time, like Slay did last year, because it, you give away if you're in man or zone if like everyone else also follows a specific receiver around the field, like. Yeah, like if Slay's guy like lines up on one side of the formation and for example, McPherson is also over there, he might have to play either the slot or the outside depending on, you know, where that is. So it's, it's sort of crucial if they want to play that way still. I mean, obviously different regime going from Schwartz to Gannon, but if they do want to still have Slay follow the opposing team's best receiver, then, you know, the other corners on the defense, they're well served to be able to play both inside and outside. Let's get to the Eagles' fifth-round pick, Jimmy. Kenny, don't call him Kenneth, Gainwell. Uh, a Great very name arguably, for a running back. Huh? Great name for a running back. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, he gains well. A um, yeah. lot of juice to this pick. If we're talking about, like, ratio of where they were drafted, I mean, obviously, Devontae Smith is the most juice, but we're talking about, you know, it's like where they were drafted. Like, this is the best value in terms of at least juice level. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny Gainwell offers a lot of of reason i mean there's a lot there's a lot to be excited by him here he didn't play in 2020 but uh when he was at his final season in memphis he had uh 14 59 uh, rushing he had 13 rushing touchdowns as a receiver caught 51 for 610 three touchdowns this is a guy 2000 yards from scrimmage yeah so really good also we were talking about guys and i think this is a theme of the draft that i'll touch on later or maybe just now but Jimmy, what do I talk about all the time? What are the three most important letters or some of the three most important letters when it comes to a player? It's B, B-W-E. W-E. Big winner energy. So the Eagles make this pick. I get a tweet from someone. I'm not sure who it was at the time. Sorry. But I was a Memphis fan. I guess also Eagles Memphis fan. And they were like, BLG, watch out. Like Kenny Gainwell has B-L- or B-L-E. Or, no, sorry, no, it's the B-W-E. bad one. B-W-E, sorry. <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. And that was before the press conference, which I thought was really good for him, Jimmy, because he was asked at one point if there are any current NFL players that he compares his game to, and he said, quote, not at all. I'm a rare breed. I'm a different one. Yeah. I also asked him about that clip. I'm sure many of you saw, if you're on Twitter, of Kenny Gainwell just lighting up Micah Parsons on a chip uh, with Parsons coming mm-hmm. off the edge. I asked him about that. If he remembered that and if he prides himself on pass protection, he said, yeah, for sure. 
that was the whole game we played. We had some chip blocks. Uh, so I was trying to catch everybody that came off the edge that was giving me a free way of giving them a chip. So I took advantage of that chip and it is what it is, but I'm going to give it to whoever else come off the edge and I'm going to give it them that chip and let them feel me. So I love this guy. <laughs> he was an Eagles fan growing up too. Yes. And Fletcher Cox's cousin. Yes. Fletcher Cox's cousin. So he's got some from Yazoo City. as well. Um, he was one of my favorite players heading into this draft just from a pure, like fun to watch perspective. And he comes from a Memphis program, which oddly enough has sort of become like a running back factory. RBU. Yeah. But also like the same kind of running backs are coming out of there. Like, um, Tony Pollard, Tony Pollard, who got drafted by the Cowboys. Like he was like, sort of like wide receiver slash slot receiver, Antonio Gibson, who goes to the Washington team, like, same kind of guy, like, you know, had he actually he was probably more of like a slot receiver in college than he was a running back, really. Uh, so they put him more at receiver because they liked Gainwell as a runner. Like, right, right, right. Like, so, that's why they had Gibson more at receiver. So, like, he he's another one of these guys that has that running ability, but also is like a legitimate, as you mentioned, he had 51 catches for 6, 10, and 3 touchdowns as a receiver. Like, he's a legitimate weapon out of the backfield as a receiver. And then when you look at, like, what the Colts were last year, like they had a lot of running backs that could catch passes out of the background. Mike Kay asked uh, uh, Nick about um, sort of like a Naheem Hines comparison. And I think Hines was also like a fifth round pick, if I recall. But um, day three guy. Day three. Yeah. So like he's he he's like really, really fun to watch. And he's a weapon out of the backfield. They already have Miles Sanders, who, you know, had a great rookie season as a receiver. Less so, you know, significantly Dad. less so. Bad twenty twenty, yeah, downright bad. But like bad, like he it, led the league in drops, Jimmy, and he also was like fourth worst in pass protection grade. And uh, what else am I missing? Oh, we also had four fumbles. Not that that's pass catching, but still, like I agree with you. Like they needed someone. They needed to address not not that to say like Miles Sanders like can't get better or he can't rebound or whatever, but yeah. like they can't just bank on that. Like they had to do something to address third bound or a third a third down running back but sorry i cut you off but that's okay the idea the idea here being that like he has shown the ability that he because he was an awesome receiver as a rookie like he came into the league with the, the you mentioned the three concerns like receiving ability pass protection and fumbling like those are the three things that he sort of had to show that he could do he did all of those things as a rookie and then and like he had like he wasn't as good of a runner as we thought he was going to be initially he became like a good runner as the season went along and then last year he was awesome as a runner but those yeah. three other areas kind of fell off so you know but still we 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 think anyway that I think anyway that he can become that good receiver again you have sure. Boston Scott who's already there who in my opinion like the best thing he does is is in the screen game eagle screen game stunk last year not necessarily his fault uh, but I think that's the best thing he does. So they're going to, in theory, have three re- three running backs that can be weapons out of the backfield uh, as a receiver. And then, of course, they also have wah, wah, Jordan Howard. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Poor Jordan I-, Howard. I thought this was absolutely great value in the third round. Like so, like w- during one of my you know Eagles only mock drafts leading up to the draft, I had him in the third round, and I was like when they were on the clock in the fourth round at that 123rd pick where they took McPherson, like I was thinking they got to, they got to take, like, I can't believe that game still here in the fourth round, take him, And then in the fifth round, he, he's still there again and they land him there. So like the, the value that they got uh, out of that pick, in my opinion, was excellent. So we'll, we'll talk about one more here before we throw it to break. Uh, Marlon, uh, let me get this right. Let me make sure I pronounce this right. <laughs> I have it here. Tui Polotu. Okay. 
is the Eagles. Another defensive tackle, um, Marlon coming out of USC. Seems like he kind of fell a little bit further in the draft than expected. Um, he wasn't like hurt recently, but I saw some things in his past with like back issues. Okay. Um, so maybe that's kind of, you know, maybe there was like a red flag there that teams kind of, you know, had questions about. Um, what do you make of him? Yeah, he's a shorter guy, uh, 317 pounds, probably going to be like a, you know, a rundown specialist, uh, at least initially, but he does have like some pass rushing chops, um, 29 games in his career, 15 tackles for loss, uh, 8.5 sacks. So he's not like, he's not just like a, like a, you know, like a fat body that you just stick in the in the middle of the line <laughs> to clog up running those. I don't even think like that's, I don't even think that's like a thing anymore in the NFL anyway, or it shouldn't be um, like, he does have some pass rushing, pass rushing ability and he can at least like push, he can at least move the pocket. Like he can, he can at least push the pocket back, which, uh, you know, sort of inhibits uh, the quarterback from being able to step up and, you know, leads to more opportunities for the edge rushers, uh, to get to the quarterback. So I do think that, um, you know, he's not just uh, a rundown specialist or anything like that. He's another guy like um, like McPherson, who wasn't really on my radar heading into this draft um, because, you know, I didn't expect them to to take sort of like a, 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 a guy who was like more of a run stopper than he, than he is a pass rusher. But, you know, after, again, like I said, after kind of like taking a, a little bit longer look at him, I can, I can see where he does have appeal uh, as a rotational guy in this defense. Also, just from Lance Zerline's scouting report here, uh, said that Marlon will check all the boxes for personal and football character. Okay. So, right. You know, Again, that's, kind of, a, that's a recurring theme throughout this draft. Yep. Uh, so I don't know, kind of fine, fine with it, whatever. Um, uh, I think it's like, so it might be a little excessive, you know, adding, I know it's, they're not necessarily the same kind of player, but adding two defensive tackles. Um, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's fine. Well, a defensive tackle, I mean, like, like you mentioned, you have Cox and you have Hargrave and then like not much. I mean, now you have Milton Williams there as well, uh, who they took in the third round. He, I think this guy, like, I think that, um, uh, Tui Pulotu is going to play maybe before sooner. Yeah. Play like, he'll get more snaps initially. Than a guy like Williams coming from a much bigger program and has more experience, um, you know, playing at USC. So we'll see how that sort of develops. But, uh, you know, bad news for the guys, you know, sort of already on the roster. Um, and I think this maybe puts Hassan Ridgeway's um, roster spot maybe in jeopardy. Um, forget exactly how much they guaranteed his deal when he signed, but obviously it won't be much. Uh, but, yeah, they, they do now have some some young depth. Uh, at that defensive tackle spot, which is sort of a necessity because Hargrave has a, in my opinion, a bad contract that they may want to get out of in time. And then Fletcher Cox, obviously, you know, getting up there in age. What is being cut? Pardon? That's uh, you said, uh, you know, Hassan Ridgeway's his status is in jeopardy. So I was just giving you a little uh, jeopardy okay. clue there. Okay. Uh, really good joke. <laughs> by me. all right, let's take a break, Jimmy. But first tell me about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors. <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856 
back here on BGN Radio for not our final segment. Still a lot to go here. Um, this is a marathon pod, Jimmy, but yes. such as the draft. So here we are after the Eagles pick up their second defensive tackle, and then they take at number 191, which is the pick they got in the Milton Williams uh, trade back. Yes. They got Teron Jackson, defensive end, Coastal I think it's Taron, Carolina. But that's okay. It's Teron. It's Teron? I sure? looked it up. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's on NFL.com scouting report. All right. Uh, just like uh, Teron Davenport. Shout out to uh, former BGN alumnus, Teron Davenport. Um, so, you know, I think the Eagles obviously had a need for more defensive end depth because look, look who they have on the roster. It's Brandon Graham. It's Derek Burnett and Josh Sweat. And both of those guys are in contract years. And, oh, by the way, Brandon Graham turned 33 in April. And this he has 10 NFL seasons under his belt. Uh, like... And then beyond that, it's Joe Osman and Matt Leo, who aren't even guaranteed to make the team this year. So they definitely needed someone, another body, the very least, at defensive end. And Jackson, he had some good college production, six forced fumbles. I like to see that. He had nine and a half sacks in 2019. He had 8.5 sacks last year as a senior. Uh, I think, you know, this isn't a guy who I'm expecting really ever to be a starter, but he could be part of your pass rush rotation. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned his numbers is 18 sacks in 23 career games. So that's a good ratio. Um, I actually had him in one of my, you know, early mock drafts. Actually, I had him in Gainwell in mock draft 3.0. So I ate my Wheaties that that morning. But he's nice. uh, he was very productive at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina ended up being a ranked team this year. They beat BYU um, in, a, in what was a, a big game for two, like, you know, smaller schools or like, you know, not typical, like, you know, always at the top of the rankings type type schools. Uh, but he's a power rusher. He's got hand fighting ability, uh, Andy Reed alert. He's got a high motor and Uh-oh. those are necessary traits for a guy like Jackson who, you know, doesn't really, you know, have great athleticism or size. He reminds me a little bit of like Brandon Graham in terms of his stature, his energy, his style of play. Uh, he's a guy that can rush from the outside or the inside Logical backup for for Graham at left defensive end, uh, and you know, and you know who better to learn from from a guy like Graham who's been in the league for you know ten eleven years now, and um, you know has you know sort of worked his way up into the into the really really good starter uh, that he's become for this team. Yeah, uh, I think it's a fine pick. Don't really have much else to add. Good value in round six for sure. Yeah, um, with the number. 224, Jimmy, the Eagles draft Jacoby Stevens, mm-hmm. who was announced as a safety on the broadcast. But the Eagles are officially listing him as a linebacker, even though he certainly does not have linebacker <laughs> size. So, yeah. you know, kind of a hybrid defender here who actually he began his uh, college career at LSU playing actually a wide receiver. So um, interesting kind of tweener guy uh, that I feel like Jonathan Ginnon must have like some kind of role and vision for him. I think he would hope. Um, I want to read you something here from our friends over at And the Valley Shook, which is SB Nation's LSU blog. Okay. Um, they, they wrote that it's not uh, Stevens' 40 time or broad jump that teams will fall in love with. It's his character theme here. Stevens is the kind of guy that will improve any locker room by just simply being there. He was on the watch list for this past season's Werfel Award, which is essentially the Heisman Trophy of involvement in the community. Yeah. Um, also, LSU's selection for the 2020 SEC Community Service Team. 
Um, between his brain and his brawn, I don't think there's ever a player been more confident at the next level than Jacoby Stevens. He's a playmaker, team leader, and a role model. Simply put, he's a football player. How do you feel about Jacoby Stevens, Jimmy? Well, they have two numbers at LSU that they give out to like special players. And we learned yes. this back in, what was it, 2013? With Benny, Benny Logan. Benny Logan had the 18 jersey. Well, Jacoby Stevens got the 7 jersey. They, which has a special meaning. I forget. I forget to differentiate. You know what the seven jersey is versus the eighteen jersey, but it just means that like he's very well respected on the team. Uh, at I a think minimum. you're talking about like uh, like Patrick Peterson and like 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 a lot of those LSU defensive backs. I think have worn. Ter- uh, Terry Matthew is one of them. Yeah. Um, I forget the I forget the rest of the list. But good uh, good LSU defensive backs wear that number. Typically. Okay. So uh, yeah, the Eagles in the past liked to take safeties and convert them to linebacker. I wonder uh-huh. I wondered if that was going to continue under the new regime and this is Guess evidence what? that yes, that is going to continue and previous examples were Camus who eh, okay, worked out a little bit. Uh, another one was Nate Gary, uh less so on that one, <laughs> but uh they take another Duke swing Riley, on that. Kinda. They're taking it to a new level on this one by the way because he's 6'1" 212. So like he's going to have to bulk up significantly, in my opinion, if he's going to play a traditional linebacker spot. As you mentioned, maybe um, uh, Jonathan Gannon has sort of a, a more specific plan for how uh, Stevens will be implemented into the Eagles' defense. But it's interesting that um, they drafted two players that they're listing as linebacker that mm-hmm. didn't play linebacker in college, and they're two different, two totally yeah. different kinds of players, like Jacoby Stevens, who is clearly – uh, more of a defensive back than he was a linebacker in college. And then uh, uh, Patrick Johnson, who was their last pick. Should we just do this as a smooth segue, or did you have anything else to add on Jacoby Stevens? My last thing, and it ties into um, the final pick too, is just this is the this is the time where you take tweeners. Like This is the time, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is why they're falling. Like they're falling because like they might not have a real role in the NFL. Right. Um, or if it is, it's not going to be, you know, as a full-time starter. So this is the perfect time to take risk on these guys. Yeah, so uh, Patrick Johnson was, uh, well, I guess we'll just say he was, he, well, first of all, he's their seventh round pick, their only seventh round pick they traded. And we'll get to this trade in a minute, too, the trade they made with Washington. Yes. But the, the final pick that the Eagles made in this draft was Patrick Johnson, who was an edge rusher at Tulane. I don't know if you want to call him an, off, an outside linebacker or, or defensive end or whatever, but he was an edge rusher for them. And he was very productive uh, at yeah. Tulane. He had... 21 sacks. 24, 24 and a half sacks is what I'm saying here oh, okay. in, since, since 2018. Uh, six forced fumbles, which is good. Um, 11, I don't know how you differentiate betu- between batted passes and pass breakups, but he, he broke up 11 passes one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's, he's like, he could win with speed. He can win with um, sort of a speed, uh, uh, speed to power, um, you know, sort of complement to that. Uh, impressive highlight reel. He's only six two two forty. So originally, like I had him as like a like a possible fourth round pick. Like he's a guy that was on my radar prior to the to the draft. I did not realize that he was only two forty. I would not have had him that high if I if I had realized that. But he's six two two forty, and in my opinion, that's just too small to play as a base down you know defensive end in the NFL at that size. So they have a different plan for him. Obviously, you know we'll see like how they. You know, Anthony Barr sort of had a unique role in, yes. uh, in in the Vikings defense. So maybe this is a guy who can, you know, try to play that kind of role in the Eagles defense. 
But as we sort of learn more about what Jonathan Gannon's scheme is going to be, like this is a this is a player that you probably wouldn't take in Jim Schwartz's scheme. This is a player that's now, you know, sort of on the table for Gannon's scheme. So maybe this guy sort of offers a clue uh, in some ways to the type of, e- of defense that Gannon's going to run. 77 percentile hand size. You get some good hand fighting in there, Jimmy. <laughs> also, 99% three-cone. Yes. This yes. is for a, a 3-4 outside linebacker. Yes. Too. So that's pretty nice to see. Like, that's something you want to see out of pass rushers, guys, you know, who can are flexible and can like, like turn the corner. Uh, so I really like to see that. Um, also what you didn't mention among the statistical production, six, four stumbles, same oh, okay. amount as Teron Jackson, I think I which I think is interesting, that, but that's okay. I don't think you mentioned the four stumbles. Mm. Um, anyway, I, I think that's kind of an interesting little, uh, theme there. I think that's probably not an accident that they place the value on these guys who like where they prove they could get the ball out. There's mm-hmm. a lot of value in that, you know, being a guy who can maybe not always get to the quarterback and take him down, although these guys kind of did that, but also get the ball out. That's huge. So uh, I, I like that as well with these picks that they've had this track record of forcing fumbles. But uh, yeah, you know, another, I think, fine move, uh, 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 the perfect time to take a shot on these tweeners. But at the same time, I want to caution, like, there's a good chance these guys are nothing in the NFL. Like, this is what, you know, day three, day three picks turn out to be a lot of the time is nothing. I think going back to last year's draft for, for perspective, like I think I'm not trying to, you know, harsh people's mellow or anything, man, but I think you get caught up in like the upside of these players, which is again, fine, natural, but just like look back at last year for an example of why things like very much the hopes for these players, especially early on might not manifest into anything. I mean, look at John Hightower, look at Quez Watkins, yeah. look at these guys who everyone thought like the Eagles, I felt Prince like had Tanae. a great day three last Winogo. year. Yeah, and yeah, and, and even Casey Doohill. Yeah. And guess what? Not even on the team anymore. Although that's a different <laughs> right. story. Should be. It's, it's but, Christmas. Uh, the, the draft is, a, is is basically Christmas for football fans. I'm not saying don't get excited. I'm just yeah. saying like you know, just remember, like have some perspective, like temper things a little bit here. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, fine, totally fine with that pick. Yeah, they're lottery tickets. It's all good. What we didn't mention, uh, which happened before they made the Jacoby Stevens and Patrick Johnson pick, is they made a trade. So I remember like leading up to their four sixth round picks and then their two seventh round picks. Like I'm looking at the their draft the draft board. It's you know one they have one pick one eighty nine, pick one ninety one, pick two twenty four, two twenty five, two thirty four, two forty. So they have a they have six picks in a span of like fifty one picks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like. I'm Too looking much. at that from my perspective. I'm looking at like that as like, well, my life's going to be horrible over the next you know hour because we have to write an article, six different articles about these guys. Uh, they did me and you a favor by trading the 225th overall pick and the 240th overall pick to the Washington Football Team for. Washington's fifth round pick in 2022. What is Washington doing? Like that's a great trade for the Eagles. Your really thoughts? great trade. For, really great trade. Jimmy, I so just a little set the stage here. I mean, in the mock draft that we did, you know, going into this week, I believe I said at one point at the end of the draft, like something I want them to accomplish is get a future pick. I just yes. feel like there's good value to be had there. Um, I also said when the Eagles traded down to get. Milton Williams to get 199. So I was kind of frustrated with that. Cause I'm like, they don't need six picks in this range. Like that's just too much. Like I believe in drafting for volume. Yeah. But like there comes a point where quantity overtakes quality there. And uh, so something I said, like I wanted them to do is like consolidate those somehow. 
And yeah, I mean, like you said it, like, so just going by the draft pick value chart, which isn't perfect, but just for perspective, the Eagles picks, Jimmy, each of those at 225 and 240, they're worth one point each. So two total points. The at, <laughs> like, so the range of a pick in the fifth round yeah. at worst is 16.2. Like, okay. let's say Washington wins the Super Bowl. That's the worst it could be. Right. And the best it could be, if it's high, is 33. So most yeah. likely it's going to fall in between there being the 20s. That's a great trade. And, that, For sure. and that's not even considering the context that next year's draft is supposed to be a lot better in terms of the quality of talent that's going to be available. So that is like a whole, that's like a, I mean, it's not the biggest deal because it's a fifth round pick. Like, you know, it's, it's, but like moves around the margins are things that we've been talking about with frustrations with this team. And I think it's a really good one. I think it's awesome. Awesome trade. Yeah. Because of COVID and the, you know, the college football season not happening in full in 2020, a lot of players stayed in school that might've otherwise come out. And it was the, um, the thinnest draft class uh, in recent memory, both, both in terms of, you know, like day three guys that were available. And then also it was a, a very weak, undrafted free agent class this year, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, next year, those guys are going to come out. So it's going to be a lot deeper draft in 2022. So that fifth round pick is going to be, you know, even more valuable than it normally would. And oh, by the way, the Eagles have 10 picks in yeah, the 2022 NFL draft. You know, they have obviously the extra first round pick from Miami in 2022. And then they have uh, obviously the, the extra uh, pick from the Colts, whether that be in round one, uh, or two. So they're loaded. Uh, all, they're not going to get any comp picks, but they're already mm -hmm. loaded with uh, 10 picks in, in next year's draft, which again is going to be uh, a deeper one than this one. So let's wrap it here. We'll come back. We'll talk about overall grade for the draft. We'll talk about some more big picture things after we take this break back right this. here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back here on BGN Radio for our final segment. Jimmy, where do you want to start with this one? I guess we talk about the UDFAs first. Yeah, let's do that. Because there are two, three in my opinion. Eh, maybe four. <laughs> they, they, they have seven uh, undrafted free agents. I'll just rattle them off real quick. And you you did a good job, as you always do every year, of uh, rounding up all the reports of these guys signing with the Eagles. Um, Jamie Newman, quarterback, Georgia. Trayvon Grimes, wide receiver, Florida. I'm going to butcher some of these names. Coyote, I believe. Abosika. Uh, offensive tackle from Buffalo, probably going to play guard in the NFL. Ja uh, either Jaquan or Jaquan Bailey, defensive end from Iowa State. Jamon uh, Os uh, Osbon, I think. Osbon. Osbon, uh, wide receiver, Texas A&M. Harry Kreider, uh, center from Indiana. And Jack Stoll, uh, tight end from Nebraska. So the, the most notable player, I believe, on this list, or the most high-profile player for sure, is Jamie Newman, the quarterback from Georgia who um, uh, th he transferred to uh, Wake Forest. From uh, Wake Forest. D Dane Brugler had, oh, excuse me, from, from Wake Forest. Dane Brugler had him as the uh, quarterback, uh, the, the 11th quarterback uh, in, in, his, in this draft. The draft network uh, ben, of Ben Solak fame had him as the Never heard of him. 
the <laughs> tenth quarterback. Uh, Lance Zierlein had him with a five point eight zero grade, which to him meant seventh round uh, pick. Brugler had him either in like the the sixth or seventh round, but he's a guy that sort of mirrors some of the uh, traits that Jalen Hurts has in that, you know, he can run around a little bit. He's, um, you know, sort of uh, uh, like it doesn't get rattled by, by pressure. Um, it's good enough arm. Uh, got a good enough, good enough arm in terms of arm strength. Uh, accuracy is a little bit of an issue or maybe a big issue like it was at times with uh, Hurts. Uh, throughout his college career, he got better. Hertz obviously got better as his college career went, went along, but it, it's a logical signing in that. First of all, they don't even have a third quarterback, so yeah. it's Hertz, Flacco. Now he's your three. Um, you can develop him behind the scenes. You know, undrafted free agent in this class, like you're going to get him onto the practice squad, so he doesn't have to make the team. And you can just develop him behind the scenes, and because he has some of those similar traits as Jalen Hurts, like if Hertz proves that he can be the starting quarterback in 2021 and they just roll with him in 2022 and beyond, then, you know, this is a guy that, um, you know, can, you know, they, if Hertz were to go down and Newman develops into a competent backup, you don't have to change your offense. If, uh, you know, mid game, if, if you lose Hertz during a game, Newman, Jimmy, uh, for those who don't know, that's a reference to cheers. Oh, no, it's no, a reference kidding. to what? I was kidding. It was, it was a stupid joke. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, seeing if you're paying attention. Anyway, um, I've never actually seen Cheers, Jimmy. I would, so I, I can't tell you. Oh, yeah, you're it. young. But uh, uh, yeah, like the Newman signing, uh, I think PFF, in addition to what you said, had him like 170th something. Okay. In the 170 range on their top 300 or so. So, you know, like, I think he was a draftable player, I think. I think you said that too, and you're, and you're right of him. Like He, he, he opted he, out this last year too. Sorry to yeah. cut you off. He, he did go to the Senior Bowl, and I didn't go, so I can't. Like, this is my own opinion, but the the overriding uh, opinion was that he didn't play well there. Like Tommy Lawler okay. said that, uh, you know, he really struggled down there, which is sure, which you would expect for a guy that didn't play uh, during the twenty twenty season, and that they're not playing probably also you know hurt him in the minds in the minds of a lot of NFL teams as well. But the Eagles are probably a good, like a, one of the more qualified teams to take a chance on him in terms of, you know, just like what they're looking for, uh, like lottery ticket again, long term, uh, getting time to coach him up. Uh, yeah, so I, I like that addition. And again, like you said, they needed they needed a quarterback. They didn't draft one, which I do like also, because I think that is not the best use of resources for this team. So to get one without drafting or using a draft pick on one, really good. For sure. This is um, ideal. Yes. Of the other guys you mentioned, um, Grimes, the wide receiver from mm-hmm. Florida has a connection, obviously, with Eagles quarterbacks coach Brian Johnson, who is Florida's offensive coordinator slash quarterbacks coach. So there's a connection there. Um, with Osborn, who you mentioned from Texas A&M, uh, Aaron Moorhead was actually his posi- position coach at Texas mm, A&M okay. in 2017. I missed Probably that helped one. That's, for- a good, that's a good nugget. Yeah, that was like their only year there. So I'm guessing he helped like recruit him to Texas A&M. So they, you know, probably has a familiarity there. Um, but yeah, not really. I don't know. No one really there like jumps out to me. Especially, who else did you like besides Newman? So I like uh, the Buffalo tackle, uh, Awosika. He's got a highlight reel that is... Can we say his name like Coyote? Is that a fair name? Ca- Coyote? Is that a fair... Yeah, we, yeah, we can call him Coyote. Let's call him I Coyote. think that's just more fun if we call yeah. him Coyote. So the Coyote is probably going to be moving from tackle to guard. Uh, he has some athleticism, shorter than ideal at 6'3", so he's not going to play tackle. Short arms, and he's got uh, Burger King hands, 
Uh, remember the Burger King commercial with the guy with the small hands. Uh, but he's play, he played ball on both sides of the line at, at Buffalo. So he played right tackle and left tackle. And while he's not going to play tackle in the NFL, that left-right versatility will translate to guard. He won't be feel out of place if he's on the left or right side. So he's a guy that you can develop maybe into a versatile left tackle, or excuse me, left guard slash right guard in the same mold of a Nate Herbig. Uh, but what he was really good at at, at, at Buffalo was uh, in the run game. Like he was like, there's a highlight reel of him just like mashing guys uh, in the run game. And you think about like Jared Patterson, who was Buffalo's running back, went on draft that I think Washington signed him, but he had, you know, almost 3,900 rushing yards his last three seasons at Buffalo. He had that one game where like, do you remember this guy, Patterson? He had like, he had some crazy number of rushing yards in one game. I want to say it was like four or 500 yards or something kind like that. Of. Uh, but, uh, uh, the coyote was a uh, big reason for his success, uh, in that he was like a stellar, uh, in, uh, run blocking, uh, offensive tackle. So, uh, home move inside, f- uh, for the Eagles. And I think he's a guy that could, you know, land on the practice squad. You develop him over time and can be a versatile guy. And then the other guy is who they paid a decent amount of money is my understanding, uh, is, uh, Bailey, the, the defensive end from Iowa state, 25 and a half sacks over his career actually played a ton of games at uh, Iowa state. He played in 54 games, uh, but wow. he's similarly sized to Patrick, uh, Patrick Johnson in that he's only six, two, two forty six. Um, we don't, the Eagles didn't list him because they didn't announce the free agent signings yet, but he could be another guy maybe that they try to develop uh, also as a linebacker. Um, so that's the FA class. Um, you want to talk about a grade. For the overall grade or draft. undrafted free agent grade overall i'm, I'm kidding um yeah you want to go first yeah i'll give the eagles like a i think i'm gonna say i'm really stuck between b minus and b it's really on the fence there for mm-hmm. me um here's the way i was thinking about it just now what did the eagles definitely get out of this class i mean it's hard to say you know at any draft class you know there's a lot of randomness and different elements that go into it but just looking at it i feel like the only things i feel confident they got are a difference maker at wide receiver which is really a big deal in devonte smith and, and a potential star i think they got a running back a third down running back i think that's nice and kenny gainwell and i don't know what else like they got for sure out of that? Like I don't I don't know what the, I I can't I don't know what to make out of Landon Dickerson in his career just because of the injury concerns and whatnot. So um I love the trade. I'm I'm factoring that in in terms of getting the fifth round next year. Obviously the maneuvering to get, you know, to move down, like you talked about at the top of the podcast here, to get, you know, the first round pick for Miami next year. And like that's all a very big deal. So I'm factoring that in as well. So really between B B minus or B minus yeah B to me it's not like a, I don't think it's a home run draft um, I think it's good I think a big theme of the draft which I guess we can kind of loop this into this answer is that uh, I think Ben Natan BDN's Ben Natan wrote an article about this for BleedingGreenNation.com and I think he put it well they were looking like for ass kickers in this draft like guys who have mm-hmm. big winner energy and I think they're I, I say that a lot and maybe you cringe at it um, but like I just think this team did have a lot of loser energy last year. A lot like and, and it really started at one of the most important positions at quarterback. Like the, the leader <laughs> of the team had yeah. that. And I'm not saying that's only Carson Wentz was to blame for that, but there was just a lot of players um and I think that's been a big flaw for the Eagles in the past is not being able to like 
totally scout the character, the football character of these players. And I think they, um, maybe they, you could argue they put too much an emphasis on that with team captains and stuff. Cause I remember them doing that in the past with like Kurt Coleman. I remember that, that like 2010 or whatever class that was, they kind of maybe went too heavy on that and didn't think about talent enough, but I think there's a good mix of talent here and the football character as well. I think this is like kind of a foundational draft potentially for, uh, this next era of Eagles football. It's not like one where it's the flashy draft. It's kind of just like the meat and potatoes. It's the eat your vegetables. I don't know how those things go together, but somehow they do. Uh, it's it's not like the exciting draft, but it's kind of like the smart draft. Uh, what do you think about it, Jimmy? Yeah, so well, well, what's your grade? What are you going B or B minus? I'm going to say B minus, but a high B minus. Okay. See, I'm torn between like a B and a B plus. And in my, just in the back of my mind, I'm skewing down there because – of how recent drafts have gone. So like, you know, sure. you know how like your mind kind of works that way where you're like, you just expect, you know, you expect it to not go well. But if I just, if I'm able to get that, you know, knowledge out of my head that their drafts have not gone well in recent years, I think it's more of a B plus than a B um, in my opinion. Uh, Cause you do get that player at the top uh, in Devonte Smith who has star potential and, I love the way they got them too. Like it just, they were able to siphon off a, a first round pick in 2022, which adds, you know, you have to factor that in, I think in these grades and um, you still wind up with a player that I think was worthy of the sixth overall pick anyway. So that's a huge consideration for me. Uh, Jimmy, like, mean, just to jump in real quick, you made a good point there that I want you to kind of touch on with Waddle and like the Dolphins. Like yeah, you were right. like, I think, yeah. Yeah. They like, trade up and all they get is Waddle over Smith. Like, do you think, like, you, the point you made was what? Like, is really Waddle worth, like, the pick the Eagles gave up? Yeah. Like, is, and, like would you is, rather is, have is, Waddle? Is Waddle a 2022 first-round pick better than Devontae Smith? No. No. Me. He might not be better at all. Like, I think it's right. debatable. Like, so, like, I originally had Devontae Smith ahead of Jalen Waddle. And then as, time, as you know, the lead-up to the draft, uh, I sort of talked myself a little, a little bit more into Waddle over Smith. And I, you know, if given the choice between the two, I'd probably take Waddle just because of. His, but it's close. His, yeah, it's game breaking ability. But yeah, it's very, very close either way. And uh, yeah, for sure, like he's not a 2022 first round pick better than Smith. Like, no matter how, like no matter how you had those two guys rated, nobody could see it that way. So like the trade up for the Dol- and of course the Eagles give up a third round pick to get Smith too. So that's, I guess, part of sure. the equation as well. But, um, the Wentz it, pick pick from the Wentz trade. Yeah. Right. Right. So, you know, like whatever, like I, I, I think that the Dolphins made a bad trade and I think the Eagles made a very, a very good one there. So that factors into the equation and that's why it bumps it up to a B plus for me, but on the whole, um, I'm fine with, uh, with all the players that they took. Um, and I think that the picks of Smith, of Gainwell and of uh, Jackson, uh, the Coastal Carolina defensive end, they were all three of my favorites leading up to this mm. draft. Uh, so, and like that's kind of how grades work. It's just how do they align with the players that I happen to like? You know, <laughs> like that's all grades really are. But in this case, those are three guys that you know I really liked heading into this draft, and they got three of them. So uh, I, I'm going to go B plus. I feel you know relatively optimistic about it, and that's you know. A st- 
a stark contrast for me when it has come to things about the Eagles for a long time. So I feel encouraged. You know, I'm not like, oh, I'm all back in on the team now. Um, but I, you know, I feel more encouraged, I, I think, than not, which is where I come down on the grade, you know, being above a C. Like, I think it was above average draft um, when you factor everything. I'm really excited to see Devontae Smith, especially wearing that number six. Jimmy, come on. That's a lock for a Hall of Fame career there, yeah. according to Jersey number analytics. That's a great number for him specifically. I don't love that on necessarily any player, but I mean, like you dominated it and in college and it's just, it's a clean look. I mm -hmm. like it. Um, so I'm really, really excited to see him. Um, Gainwell obviously will be really exciting to watch. We'll see how some of these other guys develop. Um, that's another big part of this, you know, uh, like next era of Eagles football or this coaching staff. Like I think a big complaint about Doug and his staff was that they couldn't really develop players. And I think that's somewhat overrated because I feel like maybe I'm wrong about this, but to me, in my mind, I feel like players, a good percentage of what they are coming into the NFL kind of is what they are. I don't think it's like you take a player, they're only like 20% of what they can be and you need coaching to make up that next 80. I think it's more like the other way around yeah. where they're kind of like 80% of what they are. And maybe you can kind of tweak that 20%. Right. Um, like, so I don't really buy, and I don't know, even if, even if this staff, like, even if that is possible, I don't even know if this is the right staff to do that. You know, we're all thinking or all hoping that is the case that at least Eagles fans, you know, that's the, the, uh, the hope and whatnot. So, uh, overall, you know, not bad. I think, uh, I think encouraged again. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts to me? Uh, I'm glad it's over. Yes. The, the lead up to the draft was good. Oh, you know what? Should we, should we touch on Zach Ertz real quick too? Yes. Because they did yeah, not trade should. Zach Ertz in case you... Uh... Well, uh, Jimmy, it was said that he was definitely going to be traded for sure by the end of the NFL draft. He was not. Uh, yeah, I think the, the possibility for Ertz to get dealt uh, could maybe happen after June 1st or released, possibly even, um, if they don't... He's not going to be on the team this year, right? No, I can't. I like it, As far as I understood, he was as good as gone. Now, I haven't heard anything different since then, you know, aside from what the Eagles say publicly, posturing. Um, but the difference between trading him or releasing him now versus uh, after June 1st, I forget what the, what the, basically they're, they're taking a, a dead money hit of, what is it, seven or eight million if, when they trade him? Is that right? I don't have it off, off, off the top of my head. But if they do that after June 1st, they can push off. I think like half of that or maybe even a little more than half of that dead money hit into 2022, which will give them uh, the ability. What, what I, what I've sort of calculated it to be was the, the dead money hit that they can save this year would essentially pay for the rookie contracts uh, cap wise in 2021. So there is a benefit to waiting until after June 1st to trade him or deal him, not to bore you with the, the details of that. But I, I think that's a possibility that they wait until then to do something with him. Uh, a couple of quick hitters, I guess, as we wrap up here, number one, the Cowboys signed Brennan Eagles, undrafted rookie free agent from Texas Longhorns. And one of the most dumbest articles I ever wrote for BGN headline, <laughs> the Cowboys signed Eagles. <laughs> Also, over 10,000 people clicked on the article. Thank you for being one of them, potentially. Um, I did not click on that, but I'll check it out later. Well, please do. Um, so there's that. I wanted to mention just for – and obviously the Eagles have Dallas, so just kind of really yes. bizarre. Just <laughs> yeah. truly strange. Um, I'm not really worried, Jimmy, about not getting a cornerback. I think a lot of people – you know, obviously they got Zach 
McPherson, but I think like people wanted one higher and they're kind of, mm-hmm. or even a safety. Too, oh, right. Like we didn't cover like what, di- what, what didn't they do? Yes. Yeah. What didn't they do? But like we said coming into the draft that they are not going to be able to address all the needs. There's too many holes. So like, I don't really know, like you, you can't, there was no way they're going to come out of this not doing something. So I can't really see that. I mean, you can be upset about it or annoyed about it, but you can't be like, like it was a massive failure because they didn't do that. Um, I, I again, there's there's cornerbacks out there still. I think Gannon can get more out of less. I think that's a real thing they can bank on. I'm not totally sweating that one. Yeah. So the the other position would be safety. If you don't consider Jacoby Stevens a safety, right? They didn't get, they didn't like get a, a safety real safety. Either. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they signed two of them in free agency, and Anthony Harris and Andrew Adams. So. Before the draft, I think I even mentioned on the podcast that that's potentially a position they'll punt to next off season. Um, mm. They didn't they didn't take a, a tight end or um, a punter. Speaking of, they punting. didn't get a punter either. Yeah, <laughs> they didn't even get a punter in an undrafted free agency. It was very upsetting because I think Sipos is going to be good. Right, anyway. that's right, that's fine. But like, I wanted yeah. a, I wanted a punting competition to cover in training camp, so they're they can I've, still sign one. They're being jerks to me because they didn't. Uh, that's yeah. what I, that's what I want, and they didn't give it to me. Um, and then they didn't, they didn't draft a tight end. They got, um, sort of a low level tight end in undrafted free agency. We think, uh, Kenny Yoboa was there in the seventh mm. round. I, I think that would have been a nice pick. Where did he sign? Jets got him. Who, Jets. Did, who got him? Jets. Okay. Joe Douglas knows ball, Jimmy. That's right. So he's a guy that I thought made sense for the Eagles offense. They didn't get him, uh, or any other tight end. It was a weak tight end draft, but, um, assuming Ertz is a gunner, they didn't, uh, they didn't fill in anyone for depth. So I think there's a, a very, very high likelihood that we'll see another return of Dick Rod uh, coming mm. back to the to the Eagles. So. I have mentioned his jersey number is still open, 85. Okay. They have not given that away. So And they do that. They've done that in the past. Where like, they did it with Wiz. In, they did it with uh, Corey Graham. The, the better, better example is Corey Graham because he has a good number, like 24. They did it with Corey Clement last year too. Okay. So it's something they do. Anyway, um, Anything else to me before we wrap up? No, I think that's it. Like I guess right. I'm just well, happy let... it's over. And uh, thank yep. you to all the readers and listeners yes. uh, for sticking with me and Brandon uh, throughout draft weekend. It was very busy for us. I hope it was enjoyable for all of you. What's a good hashtag to me? I like to see it's fun to give out a hashtag, especially in the long, really long episodes, because that kind of shows you like who's still listening. That's right. So uh, if you're listening to this still and you made it through to the hour 130 minute our, yeah, hour one twenty seven or so. Mark, I'm seeing here in the recording time. I'm sure it's longer. How about we use your screen ads. name here? How about uh, Devonte Smith owns? Okay, there we go. So hashtag tweet at BGN Radio at BGN underscore Radio at Brandon Gowton at Jimmy Kemsky. Some combo of that at Bleeding Green. Uh, so we we can see it and use hashtag Devonta Smith owns as your hashtag, and that way we will know you listen to the whole podcast. So that's fun, um, and we will appreciate it. I want to give some plugs before we go. Let's give a shout-out to the SB Nation NFL show, which did a really good job, Jimmy, of covering the entire night one of the NFL draft. Like, they were streaming live the whole thing. Uh, Pete Sweeney took, like, the first half of the first round, and then my co-host on Tuesdays on the podcast, the off-day debrief on the SB Nation NFL show, uh, Rob Sascarera did the second half, so they did, did a good job on there. Um, also got a lot of contributors from the SB Nation NFL blogs, like different teams and whatnot. Um, so that was really cool. On that note, Justin Fields, we did not talk about that. I feel like, do you want to touch on yeah, that? Yeah, we at can all? touch on that real quick. Um, okay. Are you talk, like the Bears trade up for him, or I just the thought Eagles about that. Have, yeah. Uh, should, should the Eagles have taken him? So, I like. 
I would have felt comfortable taking him at six because I think he's very good. Like, I just think he's a super talented quarterback. Um, it became clear that they weren't going to take a quarterback when they moved from six to 12. Like, cause if you don't love a quarterback enough to take him at six, then why would you move back to 12 and then take one there? So when they moved up from 12 to 10, like, you know, I'd mentioned that, uh, I was pretty sure that the pick was going to be Devonte Smith, but if there was going to be an exception, I was thinking, okay, well maybe they're just getting up to make sure that they get Justin Fields. Uh, cause I didn't, cause obviously the corners were already gone. I didn't see any other player that they'd possibly trade up for, but uh, will they live to regret not taking Justin Fields? Um, you know, that's a question that like, I really haven't seen many people ask uh, over the weekend because I think most fans were dead set against uh, taking a quarterback, but uh, I think he's a very good, talented player. I think the bears were right this time to trade up for mm. a quarterback. Whereas last time, when they moved up for Mitchell Trubisky, which even One at pick. the time, like, and we all seen, we've all seen obviously how good Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson have become. But even at the time, like, I think everyone agreed, like that was dumb when like, they trade up that. one pick. How do you trade up one pick? You know, it's not even like, <laughs> right. like you're trying to get ahead of someone. You just trade it up because like, you really wanted someone to not scoop you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're afraid of somebody else behind you coming up and, and getting up ahead of you. But, uh, in this case, anyway. I thought they made a. I thought it was fine that they traded up uh, for Fields, and it also kind of showed that not to get not that this is a Bears podcast or anything, but it also kind of showed that um, they were willing to make that kind of move, even though their jobs are sort of at stake and they're in sort of a win now type of situation. So, well, I don't know. I guess their quarterback currently is Andy Dalton anyway. So, like, I don't know like, like, that that doesn't exactly scream win now. Um, but anyway. Uh, as far as the Eagles' perspective on that, um, I think they did the right thing by trading up for Devontae Smith, and I think that's just as black and white as it gets for me. Yeah, to me, I always said going into the draft, there's no such thing as like a value pick at quarterback. Like, oh, like this yeah, guy just right. happens to be here. We'll take him. Right. Like, especially that early on. Like, that's yeah, not how like it... day three, fine. Yeah. Yeah, yes, but not in like round one like that, especially at least not for this organization. You can say for better or worse if that's a good move, but I like that's not how this was going to work. So, yeah, it was never in the cards in terms of realistic. Now, should it have been, you know, is obviously a more fair question to, to debate and ask. I think I liked Justin Fields' talent a lot, but – like, he had to fall for a reason. Like, there had to be something there. And maybe it was a dumb reason, and teams are going to regret it because, you know, Deshaun yeah. Watson fell, and Patrick Mahomes kind of fell a little bit. So I'm not saying that they're justified, but I just – there's things there that kind of make me worry in terms of some of the pre jaff things that I had seen out there kind of, like, made me think, like, Carson Wentz vibes in terms of maybe entitlement, arrogance, mm -hmm. and I just – I'm really like off put by quarter. Like I, you can't just look at the talent of the player, especially when it comes to quarterback. You really have to consider like who this person is, what's the mentality. So I'm not saying I know Justin Fields. I can't. I don't know him enough to say for better or worse that that's an issue. But it's something I thought about. Another thing I think about is like on paper, I think this looks like a very smart move for the Bears, but. Given their evaluations at quarterback, let's like right. maybe hold off before like saying like they definitely got it right this time, considering that this is the same organization that made a huge investment in Mike Lennon, Mitchell Trubisky, Andy Dalton. Um, who else am I missing here? Nick Foles. They, they, Nick Foles. They did it like three different ways, draft, trade, and free agency. And they really wanted Carson Wentz. Like – uh, like coming off this terrible, you know, I, I don't know that they're they're necessarily the best quarterback evaluated yeah, there. Speaking of Carson Wentz, 
as we talked about with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing, not to get oh, into they, this too much, but uh, a quarterback, uh-oh. man, uh oh, yeah. But also, like, if you're the Colts and like you knew Aaron Rodgers is available, oh, that's like, right, yeah. Do you trade for Carson Wentz, <laughs> like a first round pick? Anyway, um, so that tangent aside, a lot of we'll have more coverage of beyond the Eagles on the SB Nation NFL show. So make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Appreciate the support there. Um, your nation podcast feed obviously you're listening to this you're probably subscribed if you're not you should because it's really good um leave a rating and review we would appreciate it you can use Devonte smith owns the hashtag in an apple podcast review too and we'd like to see that as well um sponsors right to selling craft jerky discount code bgn15 at right to dog snacks dog treats at wildnaturepet.com discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off follow me on twitter at brandon gotten follow jimmy kemsky on twitter at jimmy kemsky BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. I want to give a shout out to Rachelle doing a great job editing all these podcasts. The Babes on Broad, Jess and Sam had a podcast reacting to the day two picks. John Stolness reacting to day one. Seamus was with me on Locker Room. So really team effort here across the board. Alexis obviously doing a great job on the site. Ben Natan. Um, you know, Solak will be here, I think, to give us some more breakdowns after, you know, obviously the aftermath here of the, draft, the Eagles draft and whatnot. So you'll get his thoughts coming up soon. Jimmy and I will be back with another BGN radio episode probably later this week or some point. Uh, and some point, if not this week, probably but next week in the near future. Okay. We'll be talking about um, the other NFC East drafts. Uh, Jimmy and I will be talking about those a little bit. Also be talking about those on the NFC East mixtape here on the bleeding green podcast feed. I wrote a whole article to troll or not to troll, but kind of trolling RJ. Cause again, he said, Micah Parsons is a pick that would terrify him in the first round. <laughs> right. So I wrote an article about that and we can kind of get into that on that podcast. So that'll be really fun. So a lot of plugs there, but all worth your time if you want to check them out. So do it. And thank you for listening to this. We'll talk to you all next time. Goodbye, everybody. P-G-N. Intel is the spark for the dreamers who do. They dream of a life with no diseases, of cleaner, greener, more reliable energy, of advancing education by bringing AI everywhere. Intel is the spark to start something new, to know that no dream is too daring when you have the right foundation. It starts with Intel. Learn more at intel.com slash starts.